A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became ill and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and order clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from the book of Revelation. Chapter 7. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne, and round the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. 
Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were gathered round him were saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In our world today, the the word dependency carries with it quite often negative sort of connotations, doesn't it? Negative thoughts. The newspapers talk about a dependency culture of people living on benefits or often unable to get back into work. And so it may surprise you to discover that the aspect of the new Christian community described in the book of Acts that I want us to think about this morning is that after Jesus had left his disciples to continue his work, the new community which formed became a dependent community. So in the last three weeks, we've had a witnessing community, a redeeming community, and this morning we're thinking about a dependent community. What's that all about? Surely dependency is a bad thing, isn't it? Well, don't get me wrong. It is good to work. It's good that we pay our way and that we pay our taxes and contribute to society. But we are not meant to and never were made to be independent creatures who have need of no one else or nothing else that we can't get for ourselves. We were made to live in community. And real communities are interdependent. They are not independent. And that new community that we see in the book of Acts was dependent in three ways. It was dependent on God, it was dependent on one another, and it was dependent on grace. So let's turn to that passage in the book of Acts. If you've got your Bibles, it's on page 1103, or it's in the service sheet. It's on page 1103. And the passage, which begins in verse 9, uh, sorry, chapter 9, verse 36, chapter 9, verse 36, says that in Joppa there lived a disciple called Tabitha. Joppa, by the way, was on the Mediterranean coast, about 35 miles northwest of Jerusalem. And there was this lovely woman, we're told, called Tabitha, who's always doing good and helping the poor, until she became ill and died. Tabitha was obviously a believer, and I think she was a a very special, much-loved disciple, and she, she may have, we don't know, but she may have been quite young because when she dies, there's this really strong sense among the community of believers that they've been robbed of someone who shouldn't really have died. 
Now it so happened that some of the disciples in Joppa knew that the Apostle Peter was in a town not far away, about 12 miles away in Lydda, because he'd just healed a paralyzed man and, and news of that had spread and it got as far as Joppa. And so they got together and they thought, well, if Peter could heal this paralyzed man, maybe he could do something for Tabitha. And so in verse 38, they send two men off to Lydda who urge and persuade Peter to come to Joppa. Now, I have to say that both their faith in Peter and Peter's faith in God is quite astounding. Tabitha had died. And it was a half day's walk, at least, from one town to the other. And then it was at least another half day's walk back to Joppa. And so, probably Tabitha had been dead for a whole day before Peter arrives in Joppa. And he goes to Tabitha's Tabitha's house. And we're told that all the widows are standing around weeping and grieving, showing uh, Peter the clothes that Tabitha, uh, or Dorcas, uh, as her name was in Greek, Um, had made for the poor. My guess is Tabitha was probably the organiser of this group of widows who stitched and darned clothes and made clothes for people like them. I think they probably depended on her quite a bit. But now Peter is on the spot. Tabitha is dead. What's he going to do? Well, he does the only thing that he can do because he knows that absolutely Everything depends on God. And first he asks everyone, all the grieving widows, to leave the room. Because although the other disciples might have thought it was Peter who could heal, Peter himself knows that in himself he has no power to heal. Only God has that. And then when the room is clear, he gets down on his knees. And we'll never know the exact content of that prayer. This woman had been dead for a day. It must have taken all the courage in the world just to get on his knees. And after praying, he says, Tabitha, get up. And she does. And the biblical scholar John Stott points out that the Greek word that Peter uses for get up, um, uh, anesthesi, is the verb used for God raising Jesus from the dead. In utter dependence on God, Peter has called upon God's resurrection power and Tabitha is given new life. This community had no earthly power, it had no weapons, it had no magic, it had no wealth, but it was so dependent on God that Tabitha was brought back from the dead. And you know, thinking of our communities around us, the community of Southcote, for example, Southcote doesn't have an awful lot besides the people, does it? It probably has more than those widows had in Joppa, but it's not a community with that much to show off besides the people. But I have great hope that more and more, as we get on our knees for this community and put our trust in God, Southcote will be given new life, just as Tabitha was given new life. Last week, we started to offer prayer ministry after the morning service. And several people responded and came forward for prayer at the end of the service, uh, which is an acknowledgement of our dependence on God, isn't it? It's 
It's saying, I, I need to go to God for something. And now, I can't tell you the details because that would be breaking confidences, but I will tell you that this week the phone rang in the vicarage and some big prayers that were prayed after the service last week got answered with a yes. Isn't that great? So if something is really troubling you and you don't... Well, yeah, if something is really troubling you, you don't have to agonize over it all by yourself. Come up for prayer after the service and receive prayer. I can't promise what the result will be, but I can tell you that you cannot do anything better than give it into God's hands. In our gospel reading, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus promises to guide and lead those who depend on him. So the new community was dependent on God through prayer. But it was also dependent on one another. One of these new communities obviously had sprung up in Joppa. There was quite clearly a, a number of Jesus followers there. There was Tabitha who we've heard about. There were, the number, there, was, there were quite a number of widows who we learn in verse 41 were also believers. Um, perhaps Tabitha had encouraged their faith. We, we don't know, but perhaps she had. There were also male believers because the disciples, um, we're told, sent two of the men to go to Lydda and get Peter. And they had a real ministry going on in Joppa, didn't they? It it must have been a bit like the CCA charity shop in Joppa, run by Tabitha. Because they were working together to provide clothing for the poor and doing other good deeds inspired by their faith. I bet none of them went hungry. They may not have had much, but I bet they looked out for each other. Caring for one another. And even when apparent disaster struck with the death of Tabitha, they didn't give up. They were an interdependent community of believers and there is nothing more beautiful, nothing more powerful, nothing which attracts God's attention and other people's attention more than a community loving one another and sharing the good news of Jesus. We learn in the last verse of the passage that it became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. So they were dependent on God, they were dependent on one another. But the reason for their faith was that they knew that they were dependent on grace. What do I mean by that, dependent on grace? Well, this new community in Joppa were not slaving away and doing all these good deeds because they thought that God would reward them at the end of the day. They didn't hope that if they just did enough good deeds, then by the time they got to the end of their lives, the good would have outweighed the bad and they'd get a sort of thumbs up for heaven. That's not Christianity. Sometimes Christians are fooled into thinking it is, but that's not Christianity. If you were a Buddhist, you might think that. If you were a Muslim, you might think that. Be good enough and God will save you. It's, the, it's the, the kind of mantra of many religions. But that is not Christianity. It's not the gospel. How do you know if you're good enough? It's not good news, is it? The fact, in fact, the gospel is revealed in this fantastic vision of heaven in our reading from the book of Revelation. So let's just finish by turning briefly to that passage in Revelation. It's on page 1238 in the Bibles. 
And this, this passage comes from this amazing vision that is given to John the Apostle of the throne room of heaven. And there's a massive crowd um, in verse 9, we're told, it was so big it couldn't even be counted. And these, of course, are the Christians. These are God's people who have been admitted to heaven, and they are dressed in white robes, a bit like me today, (laughs) standing before the throne of God and before Jesus, the, the Lamb he's referred to. And this great multitude is singing out, salvation belongs to our God. We sang that last week, actually. I don't know if they sang it to the same tune, but... And the angels are around the throne with the elders, and they are all worshipping the one true God. And then one of the elders asks John in his vision, who are these people robed in white? And John says, well, actually, sir, you know. And the elder confirms that these are the believers who have come through a tough life, the great tribulation, he calls it. Some of them through some very tough times of persecution, famine, bereavement. Think of the widows in Joppa. Slavery, poverty. Many of Tabitha's comrades in other parts of the empire would suffer tremendous persecution a few years later under the Emperor Nero. And it's not easy being a Christian today. It takes courage to stand out from the crowd and stand up on one's faith. But what we have in common with every Christian of every age down the centuries is what he says next. He says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Sounds funny, doesn't it? Washing a robe in blood and now they're white. In John's vision, the robes they're wearing represent the state of their souls. They're white, indicating purity, indicating lack of of sin. That's why they're in the throne room of heaven. But surely all have sinned. Surely we're all sinners, so how come their robes are white? Well, because Jesus has sacrificed his life for them and for us. Jesus, was, he was struck, he was beaten, he was nailed to a cross, he was put to death so that we would not have to face the consequences of all of our sin. That's what it means. They have washed their obviously dirty robes in the blood of the Lamb, the the cross of Jesus Christ. They've put their faith in God's grace, freely given by the death and resurrection of Jesus, and so the robes are now white. And that's our condition. And that was the condition of the believers in Joppa. So they weren't doing all these good deeds because they thought it would buy them salvation. They already knew they were saved by God's grace. And in joy and thankfulness, they were working out of that place of freedom, knowing that they were already saved. And as Christians, we we must take that on board. We must know that we cannot work our way to heaven. We are utterly dependent on grace, and that that is such good news. We're completely released from comparing ourselves with one another. We're released from comparing ourselves with some kind of personal standard that we've set for ourselves. We're released from some list of works that maybe we feel someone else has put upon us. In Jesus, we are saved and justified and redeemed and released, delivered, forgiven, all by the grace of God. So let's be a community which prays like Peter, depending on God for everything.
Come for prayer after the service, if you feel the need to. Let's live like Tabitha and her friends. Depend on each other for community, loving one another. And let's rejoice with thankful hearts that our robes have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's sheer grace. It's nothing that we do. And isn't that good news? Amen.